was at the dawn of the Age of Reason that first appeared the beast upon the county of Gévaudan. Possessed with enormous strength, it would strike without warning and disappear without a trace when all hope seemed lost. The king sent two men determined to unravel the mystery. What they uncovered was a world of deception and a struggle for power that was far more dangerous than anything they could have imagined. Pictures and Studio Canal proudly present to American audiences the French motion picture sensation Brotherhood of the Wolf. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 262, Brotherhood of the Wolf, a.k.a. Le Pac de Loup. And this is listener request number 23, courtesy of Aaron. Yes, thank you, Aaron. We are expecting this one to be a big downloaded episode for us, really <laughs> help our numbers. So we appreciate you throwing this one at us. Certainly not something I had seen before. Happy to dive into this world. I will say, when I started the movie, I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I was I was visualizing something like Ginger Snaps Three. <laughs> it's got a, a little bit of that. A vibe. little bit, a little of that, yeah. But not a lot of tight editing here. No, this was definitely we watched the longest possible version of this film, mm-hmm. which is the one that was available for free to stream. So before we get into our latest listener request, Brotherhood of the Wolf, let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. If you have a listener request like Aaron, you can reach out to us and let us know. We're still kind of finalizing the 2022 schedule, so okay. maybe we could work in somewhere, but it might come at the end of the year or, or something that like that. The uh, window had slammed shut for new requests. Are, are we still in the? The window's never shut. Okay, 
we'll always take them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a matter of when we do it. They just go on the roadmap yeah. somewhere. It might sit in the queue for a while. Yeah, so if you're a new listener and you request something, just know that you might have to be in for the long haul <laughs> to actually get that request. If you have a sticker request, we'll send you a free sticker. Oh, yeah. Let us know on Twitter and find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby, on there. So, yes, as Matt pointed out, this was a new film for us. This is probably something that we would have not gotten to on the podcast had we been doing this for 10 more years. It because it was a film we really didn't know anything about. It wasn't on the short list. I don't think any of the notebooks that you've made lists for episodes that we're going to do, this was never appearing in one of them. No, because we hadn't seen it. Right. Haven't uh, been f- familiar with it, which is wasn't sort of on my radar at all. The joy of doing listener requests is sometimes the listeners bring us something that we're not familiar with and it expands uh-huh. our horizons a little bit. Brotherhood of the Wolf came out in 2001. It was directed by Christopher Gans, written by Gans and Stéphane Cabal. Had a budget of $29 million, which was a pretty big movie. It box office was $70.7 million. Wow. The film became the sixth highest grossing French language film of all time in the United States. Holy shit. And it also became one of the biggest international successes for French language films. I would not have guessed any of this, by the way. The plot of the film is loosely based on a real-life series of killings that took place in France in the 18th century and the famous legend of the Beast of Jovadan. I hope the real version of this Brotherhood dressed a little bit better. You didn't like the the dress? I didn't care for the wolf pelts on the head. (laughs) (laughs) The Beast of Jovadan is the historic name associated with a man-eating animal or animals that terrorized the former province of Javadan. By the way, the pronunciation of almost everything is going to be hilariously bad. I don't know like any of the characters' names. <laughs> I have them written down. Which I know is usually like my shtick. <laughs> yeah, but... like, how's that any different from any other <laughs> Well, episode? when they're like French names, it's way worse. Gregoire? What's our? <laughs> What's the hero's name? Greg- I'm just going to call Greg- him Fransac. Okay, because that's his like last, last name. name. Yeah. Yeah. Fransac. The killings happened between 1764 and 1767, for the most part, over the uh, an area of, of about 50 or so miles or more. At the time, they were said to have been committed by one or more beasts with formidable teeth and immense tails, according to contemporary witnesses. Most descriptions from the period identify the beast as a striped hyena, wolf-dog, or wolf-dog hybrid. Okay. Victims were often killed by having their throats torn out. The Kingdom of France used a considerable amount of money and manpower to hunt the animals responsible, including the resources of several nobles, soldiers, royal huntsmen, and civilians. The number of victims differs. According to the source, a 1987 study estimated there had been 610 attacks, resulting in 500 deaths. And 49 injuries. I'm, I mean, wow. I'm laughing only because it's so that high. That is nuts. Yes, this is, I guess it's sort of like the French Jaws, you know? Other sources claim the animal or animals killed between 60 and 100 adults and children and injured more than 30. So that would be significantly less. It's, it's hard to tell. This was hundreds of years ago. People were dying from all sorts of things. Yeah, so I think that's important to point out that not only is this based off of a real story, but all of the characters in the film... 
for the most part, with the exception of like Manny, yeah, and some of the unnamed people are based off of real historical figures, oh, which I, I think is weird and funny that they turned some of them evil, but <laughs> yeah. I guess when enough years pass, you get it, that yeah, poetic right. license. No reputations damaged by this movie. <laughs> but yeah, the idea of Manny, like an Indian character being in it and coming from America, man, it had to take months <laughs> by boat to get from Oh like, yeah, going back and forth. Yeah, they're uh, across these taking countries. boats down to Africa. Oh, over yeah. to America. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of like rewards miles programs back then. Brotherhood of the Wolf is unique in that it's hard to pin down what genre it even is, and it incorporates a lot of stylistic choices that cover or cross over many different genres. It's a historical epic. A period piece, but there, it's also a CGI monster movie with martial arts in it. Yeah. Romance, mystery, action. Also uses Western motifs. And <laughs> yeah. ultimately, it, it ends up sort of feeling like a gothic horror movie. I know, that's true. There is a lot packed into it. As I mentioned, there are three different versions of the film. I would like to have been able to keep things uniform. Okay. And since we did the theatrical version of Almost Famous in the last episode, I would have loved to have stuck with that. But this movie is not readily available on a ton of streaming services, so we watched it for free on Shudder, yeah. the horror streaming service. And that version is the longest version, the director's cut. Yeah, thankfully, it was on there. Yeah. This would have been tough to do otherwise. Yeah, we almost ran into a brick wall with this one and, and had to delay it, but we were able to find it on Shudder. <laughs> And so that's where we're headed with this. I don't know if some of these events take place in a different order in the theatrical cut. Not really sure. I don't really know how many of our listeners have seen this movie anyway, so it may not matter to them what order we say things. Mm -hmm. But I think the general gist of the story would be the same. I don't know what all the differences are. I don't really think it matters. I do think that this movie ends up being two and a half hours with the director's cut i think the theatrical cut's like 220 i wish it was about two hours (laughs) yeah i will say this is not gonna be like a full-on trashing or anything for me but there was a part where i got pretty what i felt like was deep into the movie and i'm like okay we're approaching the final like climactic sequence and i kind of paused it and saw where i was on the timeline and i was like oh there's an hour left okay (laughs) It does seem to go on and on at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt upon a second viewing, I actually liked it more and was able to follow the story better and more clear. I actually think there is some really cool stuff in here, but there is a lot to digest. Yeah. Let's just jump into it. I don't have much more as far as a preamble or an introduction for it. I think that's enough. Hopefully, if people are interested, they can either... Get a free trial of Shudder and check it out. I think Scream Factory did a Blu-ray release. I think that that has the director's cut on it as well. It may have all the versions. I'm not really sure. Well, Shudder is a fun streaming service, so we'd recommend that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, during the French Revolution, Marquis (laughs) d'Apache writes his memoirs in his castle. One of the funny things about this movie is that it does seem... To almost be against the French Revolution. (laughs) Where they're like, see, this guy was pretty great, and he gets killed in the French Revolution, and you don't even know what his story is. He helped 
get rid of this beast that was plaguing right. the land. <laughs> That's sort of how I it will, feels. By the time you finally get back to an old marquee, it's like you have to like really go into the memory banks to like get back to like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is where we started. Yeah, that's one of the things that helped on a second yeah. viewing. You're like, oh yeah, there was a narrator. Right. It ends up being like a Saving Private Ryan thing when you realize that it's Matt Damon, the old guy at the end. I'm like, it's Marquis. Anyway, so yeah. the present day is the French Revolution, and he recounts back to 1764 when a mysterious beast terrorized the province of Javodan, and it is very much like Jaws, as you said, yeah. or Jurassic Park. It starts out with a bloodied, busty woman being yeah. pursued over rocky, hilly terrain by an unseen monster. This It was kind of reminding me of the beginning of It Follows, too. Where a it's little like, bit, Where yeah. it's just like this weird, unseen presence chasing, where you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I thought it was like Jaws, just because there's that part where she's sort of like... That's true, her body gets like rocking thrown back and forth, yeah. both demonstrate it. The busty part I highlighted, though, because when I was looking... At the Wikipedia pages for this stuff and the Beast of Jovodan, mm-hmm. as with everything from this time period, there's a painting associated with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, even in the painting, the woman's tit is just like hanging out. You're just like, okay. Everyone sort of remembered that about her. <laughs> She's fighting a wolf with her boobs That's hanging right. out. <laughs> I know, it doesn't seem like the most practical situation. She's in like wearing this outfit out in the middle of a field by like cliffs. How did that come to be? Who knows? She was just yeah. running a long time. Just going through going for a stroll. Two mystery men arrive in the region on horseback and they save a young woman and her father from an attack by a group of men who are all dressed like women. <laughs> and this is the first martial arts sequence in the film. Uh-huh. Our Native American companion, Manny. Is like a crazy badass. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the first time I was watching this, anytime you're in a situation where there's one guy and he's fighting off multiple guys and they're surrounding and he doesn't seem concerned and he's dropping the first couple, at that point, just run away. You're not going to beat this guy. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) They don't learn in this movie. Who is this guy? He's interested in the woman. And this woman just turns out to be the worst Uh throughout the whole movie. And it takes a really long time for her to get her come up. And, and yes. it's from a character that you would never expect I know. either. <laughs> it's very strange. You mentioned Gothic Court. This was kind of reminding me of Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow a little bit, too. Yes. Like people, the, the setup. People made yeah. those comparisons okay. even at the time. Yeah. Oh, good. Because I got to tell you, when I was watching it, I was saying that to Lindsay, who just was casually around. And she walked into the room. And she's like, so what about this is like Sleepy Hollow? <laughs> A little bit. It's aesthetically sort of similar. The group of men accuse the woman and her father of being a thief and a witch, but our heroes don't know the situation and help them out. And it's clear that Manny is interested in this woman just through the exchange of looks. Oh, yeah. Like a longing look. (laughs) Grégoire de Fronsac, played by Samuel Le... Behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's enough. A knight and a royal naturalist of King Louis the Fifteenth of France and his Iroquois companion Manny arrive in town to capture the beast. Manny's played by Mark Descassos, and he's considered a brother, more or less, of Fronsac. We don't get their backstory 
until way deeper into the film. Right. But they seem linked together. Pretty tight. They hook up with the younger version of Marquis Depeche, just rocking a wild haircut. <laughs> It's it's like a mullet, but it right. looks like a fox's tail or something. <laughs> it's completely insane. Yeah, it's like a Davy Crockett hat or something. <laughs> yeah, and then they're getting filled in on what's been going on in the area, and people are like saying all this crazy shit. And Everyone's dead. <laughs> it's like, yo, 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 what are we looking for here? <laughs> it's more than a simple wolf. It has no fear. It's possibly impervious to bullets. Yeah. <laughs> A little kid who survived an attack described it as a devil. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I guess the whole thing with Fronsack is, despite some of his more showmanship qualities, he does not believe in mythological creatures or fairy tales or anything supernatural. And he's... The Jersey Devil. Essentially brought in to take control of the situation before it spirals anymore. Because the amount of attacks and amount of death has caused a bit of sensation in the country, which of course doesn't bode well for the current king. Not to confuse things, but there are a lot of regular-ass wolves around, too. Yes. But it's pretty clear that (laughs) they can't really be what they're talking about because they're just so small. Yeah. Because pretty early on, they, they come across that dead nude woman that's like laying in that water that's right and yeah. he's like measuring the wound the bite marks <laughs> like like, richard dreyfus yeah i mean i wrote this was no boating accident <laughs> yeah. that does remind me of the opening of jaws finding the woman on the beach and yeah the one guy just puking his guts out because even like yeah. the marquee is like almost throwing oh up. yeah for some reason they put poison in her Guts, I guess, if the wolf came back to eat her? Is that what they did I guess, yeah, it was a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't really understand anything about that or what was going on. Well, I mean, there's a reason our hero has come onto the scene. These people are horrible at trying to chase this thing down. Yeah. Almost right away, Fronsac and Manny are introduced into the local high society, and they meet the Count of Morganace. I'm sure that's how you say it. Amongst others, and Fronsac is immediately interested in the Count's daughter, Marianne. It's really like heart alone, just blasting <laughs> when he sees when she stands up. A little on the young side, yeah, for sure, but she is a firecracker, very well, beautiful, red hair. A lot of mystique built up about her right away. Seems like she has several suitors that she's always sort of escaping their charms. Yeah, the Marquis says Marianne has rejected everyone in the land. <laughs> she's played by Emily Dequen. Her brother, Jean-Francois, is played by Vincent Cassell, who... American audiences should be right. somewhat familiar with. Black he was Swan. in Black Swan and most notably was married to Monica Bellucci oh, at right. this time. Yes. He's a very like distinct <laughs> Son look. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> really? How did he pull that? 
Jean-Francois was an avid hunter and a world traveler whose arm was mangled and rendered useless while overseas. And when Fronsac follows Marianne out onto the balcony, some of the shots of the people with the exterior of that castle or whatever that, yeah. it was really reminded me of the Princess Bride. I agree with that. And there's a couple things that happen that reminds me of the Princess Bride. <laughs> like Even when they end up on a ship at the end, I'm like, it seems like the Dread Pirate Roberts and they're like <laughs> escaping together. One of the underlying themes in the film that I noticed was racism, R.E. Manny. Even oh, yeah. in that introductory dinner sequence when they pull out the fish covered in hair and that whole thing. Uh-huh. Manny's like not sitting with them at the table. He's like standing up. Or he actually I think he had a seat like far away and then he is standing up at one point, but he's not like even allowed to sit with them. Yeah. It seems like a crazy guy to fuck with in any way. I mean it seems like he could beat some ass. You would think the tails would spread pretty quickly. I would respect this guy immediately. Well, yeah, I would too, and not just because he could beat my ass, but because I'm not a racist. <laughs> well, but <laughs> but that's just how it was, I guess. It just no, there I was know. no expectation that he would be sitting at the table with the high society. Yeah. How about that part where the writer recites that poem to the wolf? He's like, I have a poem to recite, and he just stands up and he does that poem, and everyone laughs. <laughs> They're just like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. It's like when we tell our friends we have a podcast. <laughs> Yeah. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) The guy sitting next to him was like trying not to laugh, which made it even worse. (laughs) So, okay. The first plan here is to put together all of the people in the community who are willing to go through all the forests and areas, the wilderness, and it's called a beat. They call it the beat. And so this is a whole big production. Fronsac invites Marianne. Her mother doesn't want her to go. I don't know that she's fit to be on the hunt. Well, when there's all those people around, it doesn't seem like it's that dangerous. Well, that's true. The reason they call it the beat is because nothing ever happens. (laughs) Never find anything. It's a pursuit that her father doesn't seem to mind at all, but her brother is none too thrilled about. We'll learn why later. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's kind of cool that they don't really hold your hand through everything with the Morgenet family, because I don't want to reveal everything, but it doesn't seem like everyone's all on the same page, but some of their family is and some isn't. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think people have their own motivations. It's about half and half. So there's a big bounty on the beast's head. I think the king made it 6,000 pounds. Manny re-encounters the mystery woman that they saved on their first night in town, but then there's some sort of a weird performance in front of him to get his goat where she acts like she's being harassed and abducted by those two guys, and then she like makes out with both of them in front of him. Yeah, sort of this weird performance art piece that she's putting on. <laughs> I don't really know why. Yeah. I get that ultimately this woman is shit, but... What is the point of antagonizing him for no reason? Like, I don't even understand what she's doing here. Because yeah. this all leads to Manny beating some ass again. Right. Even bigger crowd. This time, it's all these strangely dressed mountain people In- wearing, like, <laughs> animal furs. Yeah, and- like, nice, inconspicuous outfits. <laughs> Wouldn't everybody in town be like, huh, what's up with those guys? Yeah, well, I guess they're just used to them. They're always around. <laughs> some of them use these Wolverine-style claws that they wear. Uh-huh. 
which is of course is no problem for Manny, who's just killing everybody. Well, not killing, but beating everyone up. Yeah. And honestly, not just the men. Some women get involved, and Manny's like, you know what? These fists are rated E for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> These are registered as deadly weapons. But somehow the main woman doesn't get involved. It's weird. There's like a whole dynamic. This movie is so long. It's yeah. two and a half hours, and yet there's so much that you, they don't even tell you, and they just sort of hint at. Because she sees her father across the way, and then sort of ducks out of the situation as if she is in trouble, like she shouldn't have been doing this. But that's never really explained later. Right. Although at one point, her father does like bring her back and is like, well, it's her fault. Do with her what you want. <laughs> And then she has a seizure. Oh, it's yeah, like that's right. Th- yeah. Another thing thrown in there, and you're like, well, this has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Here, put this knife in your mouth. <laughs> Bite on this. Yeah. I don't know. The crowd just watches this all take place, this huge circle of a fight. Manny is completely outnumbered, but no one seems to care. <laughs> Fronsack just laughing at it, I just know. like being like, well, these people are idiots for getting involved with him. Yeah. Although it does seem like by the end of it, he does need a save. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had faith in him. Yeah, probably. Jean-Francois puts an end to it by shooting one of the men fighting, and he goes on to tell Fronsac about his specialized silver bullets, which provide his own personal signature when he fires his weapon. Yeah, this uh, Vincent Cassell character, a little full of himself, maybe? Very weird. Yeah. We find out that it was a lion in Africa is what maimed him. Marianne arrives at the scene on a horse, just a vision in red. (laughs) Her fiery red hair and that crazy red outfit. (laughs) In case the beast needed help seeing her, I guess. It just stands out so much. And the whole thing turns into one big wolf massacre. Yes. Just a pile of dead wolves by the end of it. Which are so clearly not our perpetrators. Right, and this really upsets Manny. Oh, yeah. I think that Manny's spirit animal is a wolf. That seems fair. Yeah, (laughs) Based on Uh, his whole shtick later. When they go on the little side hunt, he's very happy with his friend for not letting that wolf be killed. Yeah, Marianne was about to shoot it. That's right. And he was like, come on, yeah, honey, what are you doing? (laughs) That's not the beast. Yes. Since this film is in French... It should be noted that, of course, we're not really using our traditional clips or anything like that to help us through the narrative. I do feel like killing this many wolves in the region would have this sort of like adverse impact on the environment or something. Like all of a sudden, quail would be overpopulated in the area or something. <laughs> you can never have too many quails. They're taking a major predator out of the environment. Here. Yeah, that's true. There probably was some ecological damage done here, uh-huh. but... I don't know if you heard me read that stuff from Wikipedia. There was like <laughs> 600 wolf attacks. Okay, yeah, they were getting desperate. Wolf attacks were very common in yeah. Europe during this time okay, period. Wolf, yeah, the wolves were overpopulated then. That's fair. <laughs> there used to be just so many wolves <laughs> running around. <laughs> yeah, before there were people everywhere, what do you think was happening? It was a real shit show out there. <laughs> yeah, the world seemed like it sucked. Later that night, a dinner is thrown outdoors, and all of the local nobility are once again hanging around. They are, of course, extravagantly ignorant when it comes to Manny, and they pester Fronsac with endless questions, most of which seem wildly inappropriate. Sure. (laughs) Like, can 
he mate with a white woman and all that shit. Like it gets, oh, it gets into some yeah, real weird stuff. They then convince Manny to tell them what their spirit animals are, though most of them just laugh it off. Holier than thou, aristocratic douchebags. When Jean-Francois asks Manny to identify his spirit animal, Manny is reluctant. Jean-Francois is drunk, though, and the identification never happens as they have to like pull him away because he's making a scene. Oh, yeah. Sort of interesting, though, as to what that would have been. We don't know. I don't know. I was trying to think of a horrible animal, but nothing came to mind. Yeah, the because he tells the marquee he's yeah. a snake, <laughs> yeah. and it's apparently good. Right. It means you have wisdom. <laughs> that seemed like a cover-up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, he calls that one guy a pig without even reading his palm. <laughs> Me? <laughs> That's my spirit animal. The marquee then takes... <laughs> this is... <laughs> this is so great. This is when I knew that this movie was for me, because I was like, okay, this is just like a pretty straightforward historical epic. There's some weird CGI stuff in it. I was reading some of the reviews. The reviews were pretty positive. Uh I mean, most people were like three out of four stars. It has like a 70-something percent. And then out of nowhere, the marquee takes Fronsack and Manny to a nearby brothel so that they can relax and get their minds right. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Where's this coming yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, That's just part of it. You journey from town to town. You visit the local <laughs> brothel. It was just how life was. I love that the marquee is totally underselling it, too, because oh, yeah. he's like, well, it's pretty good. It's not Paris, but... And then it's like, Meanwhile, oh, wait. Monica okay. Bellucci? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, there's this one woman, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing. You would think that her rate must be, like, so much higher. <laughs> Yeah. You would think she could be like an independent contractor, not have to like operate in this establishment. To be fair to the marquee, maybe she wasn't there before because yeah. we don't know her whole backstory I know yet. These other two are like look at him when they walk in and they're like, What the fuck? You completely undersold this and he's like, No, she's never been here before. <laughs> like fighting over who goes. Yeah. It's like who is this Italian beauty? Fransac is rightfully intrigued by Sylvia, played by Monica Bellucci. And Aaron, you know, if you're trying to get us to do this movie, this is all you needed to say. Really? (laughs) Monica Bellucci plays a prostitute. Yes, she is nude in the film. We're in. Okay, that's it. All you need. And their sex scene is pretty wild. She's got some knife play right out the gate. (laughs) Yeah, well, I kind of feel like the two of them enter in sort of like a basic instinct style relationship. Yeah. It always seems like maybe she's going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he even has like this weird vision at one point, which is never really oh, yeah. explained. <laughs> I don't really know what that had to do with anything. Well, when you're in bed with a woman like this, those are the types of things you're envisioning <laughs> you happening. You have to assume it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> like, this can't be real. Right, right. Yeah, she just literally looks like a sculpture of beauty, like, come to life. Like, <laughs> like, like from another planet. Yeah, you like, can't really imagine somebody that looks like Monica Bellucci existing. Yeah. Somehow we're the same species as her. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but basically, Sylvia is a powerful, mystical, mysterious woman, and she gets a look at Fransac's paintings because he draws lots of different things. She mm-hmm. wants to get painted. I love his little line. She's like, would you paint me? And he's like, if you're a bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, he's always trying to get it going. I guess, but I mean, is that something you say to Monica Bellucci? (laughs) That seems embarrassing. If you've got balls, you do. I guess she loves it. (laughs) Although when he's painting her and the camera's like, it starts kind of by her thigh or hip and starts panning up her body. 
and then that transition from her breasts into the mountains. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was losing it during that. That yeah. was hilarious. Right. I was loving it. <laughs> yeah, just beautiful shots of the land. I was in a thousand right. percent with that transition. <laughs> Later, they're at a church, and I love in that church on the wall there's like a giant sculpture of a wolf attacking a person yes and Fronsek is just like what is going on in this place i know that would be like if there was some serial killer in the area and you had a picture of him in your apartment the serial killer dressed like a clown yeah and then you went to a church down the road and like a big mural was like a clown (laughs) killing people right because it plagued the area do we want to be reminded of this all the time So Fronsack meets up with Marianne after the church service. He's also drawn her, though not nude, and this drawing is a surprise for her. And they make future plans to meet up alone because her parents are always hanging around, but I guess they'll be leaving. (laughs) She's like, you realize that I'm in high school, right? It does seem questionable. Fronsack is like 45. (laughs) He's like, when are your parents not going to be around? (laughs) Yeah, I know, which he seems like more of a peer with her parents. While investigating another victim of the beast, Fronsack removes a steel tooth from the body and concludes that this is the work of something that is clearly not a wolf. Not an animal, even, he's saying, right? Regardless of what the locals think. Yeah, he doesn't have any conclusive answers, but he knows that whatever they're thinking about a giant wolf is probably not what's happening. I just pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass, (laughs) and it was made of steel. (laughs) There are some scenes of Fronsack with Marianne, so he's simultaneously falling in love with her while still seeing Sylvia on the reg. Seems like he's spending a lot of nights in the brothel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is understandable. Sure. <laughs> but it is kind of funny, like, that he has this, like, ongoing pursuit of Marianne. Meanwhile, I guess, like, this is just, like, a side piece for him. <laughs> yeah, it was... A very, like, ambitious life he's living. Well, you have to understand, Matt, that yeah, <laughs> a high-society woman like Marianne is not having sex. Yeah, yeah. That's just not happening. That's so, like, It's like Moby Dick. He's got to yeah. release the poison. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so while he goes to see Sylvia, he has a literal Monica Bellucci dream. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Cole in the house. And last night, I had another Monica Bellucci dream. We're also introduced to Manny's healing bracelet gimmick, where he heals a little girl that was attacked by the beast. That's right. He bites into this bracelet and has them like breathe whatever comes out of it, and they're somehow healed. He's got some shaman skills. We find out that this traumatized child, Witness, swears the beast is controlled by what seems to be a human master, and in her little vision or fantasy during her story, we get our first look at the beast, and the CGI stinks. Yeah. There's no way around it. It was just how it was in the time period. I was getting some deep rising oh, sure, vibes, yeah. although yeah. it's probably not as bad as that, but it's close. Yeah, the less you see of the monster, the better it would be, but once you get into the second half of the movie, it's on screen a lot. Yeah, the CGI... Probably looked kind of cool back then, relative. Yeah. But yeah, today, by today's standards, it's pretty rough. It's certainly not looking on the level of something like Alien. No, but they didn't use CGI. No, I know, but I'm just saying, in terms of the look of a monster, that's like as far apart 
as you can well, it's be. not. Yeah, but I mean, it's not actually a monster, though. Sure. <laughs> what do you? Meanwhile, Fransak and everyone else in charge of finding the beast are essentially replaced by the king, who is unsatisfied with the lack of progress thus far. So he sends the king's weapon master, Lord de Boutern, Boutourne, I don't know. <laughs> and he arrives in Javadan to put an end to things. Fransac, meanwhile, is going to be sent back to Paris. But first, a couple of things happen. Number one, he is ordered to turn the corpse of a regular wolf into the beast, seemingly at the king's command. Yeah. So I wanted to jump in here and be like, okay, this is where the real-life version of this story ends. But in the real-life version of these events... More people were killed yeah. after they decided it was over. Okay, okay, so this is sort of real. What happened? This is, it's sort of like Harvey Keitel, the wolf in Pulp Fiction, right? He's like, this is the guy that's sent in to just kind of <laughs> clean everything up and close all the gaps here, and he comes back and has this whole fake thing to put it to bed. So in the real story, they kill a big wolf. They think that this is the end, and then more people are killed after the fact. They end up killing another wolf like a year later, and then the attacks seemingly stopped, or at least to the extent that was going on in this region. Right. It seemed to be a couple of wolves. Yeah. If it was wolves. it may. Some people think it was escaped tigers from a zoo or some shit. Who knows? All this talk is bringing to mind another great wolf movie from the past 20 years, Red Riding Hood. <laughs> the one with Amanda Seyfried? Yeah. yeah, it's great. I thought you were going to go Blood Moon. Oh, yeah. With the micro penis right. storyline and Tim Curry in yes. it. <laughs> what Brotherhood of the Wolf presupposes is <laughs> maybe there was more to the story that we don't know about. And there's a whole secret. And this movie is going to tell us the truth for the first time. It's Finally. sort of like yeah. Tarantino-esque in a way, where it's taking a real thing and then it's giving its own spin to it. That's true. Almost like Oliver Stone or something. Like it's an alternative history or how did this whole thing with the book come to play in history? Not mentioned, I take it. I don't even really understand what the book is. I know. I love the part where like the one dude just has like a million copies of it. <laughs> like they would even be mass producing books to that. Well, that level. was their hideout. Yeah, yeah. That place. Yeah. So anyway, the weapon master guy catches a regular wolf. He kills it. He brings it to Fransack, who is a taxidermy specialist, he was able to create that fish with hair and all that shit. Yes, one thing that should be mentioned about Fransack, multi-talented, a renaissance man, if you will. He's a knight, but it's unclear why he's even the one that would be assigned this. It seems like all he does is he can like just do anything. Stuff. <laughs> but he's also a gifted painter and known womanizer, I the would say. The taxidermy man have a heart attack when he sees what I bring him. <laughs> He's a known libertine. <laughs> yeah. So he rips this jaw open and makes this wolf bigger and paints it weird colors. And this is supposed to be the monster that's been plaguing France and yeah. an answer to the king's problems. And then he just kind of can't live with himself after this, though. Also, an unseen person steals Fransac's drawing of Sylvia and gets it into the hands of Marianne. Needless to say, she's oh, yeah. not thrilled because it is a topless picture. <laughs> He's like, wait, wait, I can explain this. <laughs> it is really like James Vanderbeek in Rules of Attraction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Since when does fucking somebody else mean I'm not faithful to you? 
Yeah. Jean-Francois is happy to see Fransac leave, and it's pretty obvious that he is the one that sure. has taken the photo, or yeah. the, the photo, the, the drawing, <laughs> and brought it to his sister. I like that she just looks at the picture of her and the picture of a topless Sylvia, and she just knows that it's the same artist. This was artist. the sending nudes of that period. You had to actually like paint <laughs> a portrait of the girl nude and, and then save it. Yeah, I mean, in a way... It's even more intimate, not because the photo itself, like obviously a photo is the real thing and a drawing is just a representation, but if you're the one drawing it, because oh, you yeah. have to, it takes for a long time and you have to pose for it and it's a whole thing. It Very much Titanic vibes. Sure, here. yeah. <laughs> of course, no matter what they're saying in Paris, the attacks continue in Javodan, a woman trying to retrieve a lamb in a muddy ditch is killed. I was killed. trying to figure out the backstory that led up to this scene. Why is Mary it... had a little lamb, <laughs> and this... the lamb fell into this hole. A lone lamb just sort of in like a mud bath <laughs> yeah. trying to escape. <laughs> we get another look at the beast, and it seems very dinosaur-like. It's really hard to tell what it is, yeah. what's going on. It definitely has monster movie vibes to this point. But if you know that it's based off of real-life historical events, you're thinking, well, they probably didn't want to go full supernatural monster, yeah. so what exactly is this? It's a direwolf. Piece it together. Sylvia seeks out Marianne and tells her to chill. <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> and she's like, honey, have you seen me? Yeah, really. Of course he's going to want to find out. <laughs> you cut him a break. <laughs> And to Marianne's credit, she's, she's just like, like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah good point. <laughs> Sylvia's like, yeah, he only loves one woman. He talked of you in his sleep. And that was enough, yeah. I guess, to convince what her. What a solid by Monica Bellucci. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She's going above and beyond. Really? <laughs> it really does seem too good to be true. <laughs> I have to say, though, I'm not really sure of Fransac's appeal. Like, I don't really know why Marianne even likes him. He's got that new guy in town. It's the shiny new toy syndrome. Like, everybody in town has been chasing after her her whole life, so then this guy comes in and he's just different. Yeah, and That's he made a appeal. fool of that writer guy right yeah. away, right in front of her. So she liked that. Right. Plus, her mother doesn't seem to approve. Her brother doesn't seem to approve. Her dad is shockingly okay with it, it feels like. Yeah, but after the beginning, he's not really around that much. That's true. Fransac's like, I'll be your dad now. <laughs> Time goes by, and the Marquis arrives in Paris, begging Fransac to return and hunt the beast again. You're the only one. Believing that Manny could finally find it. Fransac is very reluctant to go against the king, who considers the matter in Javodan closed. Now, according to the narrator, we're getting the real story, the one that doesn't appear in any history books, when a letter from Marianne finally convinces Fransac to return, so that's what he and Manny do. So, of course, in the end, it's a woman right. that lures him back. Yep. <laughs> Boy, he is so thrilled when he gets that letter. Some dangerous liaison stuff going on here. Marianne and Fransac arrange a secret rendezvous, but unbeknownst to either of them, the beast was tracking Fransac and eventually attacks the house that they're in. And yes, there are, are, as we've said, there's some CGI shortcomings in this film, but this is a pretty effective scene. I would say that in this sequence, when the beast attacks that guy 
Yeah. Who goes down and gets the wine, and then Almost. they're upstairs. This is like the first time we get like a real sense of what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. All of the previous times, it's hard to tell exactly what we're even supposed to see it almost feels like it takes them too long to realize like something's going on it feels like there's a lot yeah, of noise being delay. made in that basement and then they, it's like not till he comes like smashing through the floor <laughs> they're like oh shit yeah i noticed that too there was a little bit of a delay yeah no they noticed before he comes up yeah, yeah. but it's like the third loud crash before they cut to them like, <laughs> it's weird as if they're just hearing it before that scene how we just sort of see the beast lingering behind them as they enter into the house Okay, is this like some sort of planning that it's doing? It seems like it would just attack. Well, that may factor in with the the human in control of it. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't know. Mysteriously, the beast refrains from attacking Marianne, although it had the opportunity to do so. And then there's a whistle that calls the beast back, and we see the man controlling it, and he's wearing this just insane yeah. costume and mask. Is that like Mortal Kombat or something? <laughs> yeah. Which won't actually be the only Mortal Kombat reference right. before the end of this. I definitely noticed something else that gotcha. I thought was MK-esque. <laughs> Fransak begins to piece it together around the same time that the audience is shown the Beast in captivity, being cheered on by those very same people Manny fought with earlier uh, okay. as it fights dogs. These people are suspect then. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. The people dressed like wolves <laughs> and acting weird. Right would be the ones that would be responsible for this. The Beast is actually an instrument of a secret society called the Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is working to undermine public confidence in the king and ultimately take over the country. Again, not a lot of secrecy amongst this group. They're kind of just putting it out there. It's a big group, too. Yeah. They seem to let everybody in. <laughs> but it's an absolutely insane idea for a coup attempt. <laughs> like... <laughs> Who would come up with this? Right, right. I got it. We're going to have this beast that we control that's just going to kill a lot of people <laughs> so that people will lose faith in the king. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of steps to get to that. Yeah, but that's why no one notices that it's going on because it's happening right in front of their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the brilliance of this plan. Well, yeah. And the ending is weird, too, because it's hard to tell how this would have all come together. How long the planning stages would have right. been for this, and who was really in charge? It's complicated. It's a complicated group, and who would have? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. Fransac, Manny, and the Marquis set out into the forest to find the beast and set up an array of traps to capture it. They succeed in injuring the beast quite severely, but the Marquis is hurt too when it bites him on the arms or dragging him around oh yeah actually he's, the he's first time i watched here. this i forgot that the marquee was narrating and i was like oh he's dead i guess yeah yeah it does <laughs> seem like this will be the end of him <laughs> manny sets off alone in pursuit following a trail of blood and you know we're heading to a bad place with this he finds the catacombs that conceal the beast's pen a cave inhabited by the brotherhood Manny Why? is sur surrounded once inside. Why, Manny? Did you have to go off by yourself? But he's yet again ready to beat all kinds of ass. Absolutely. However, he's shot in the back and killed when he hesitates to kill that woman. Uh-huh. That same fucking woman So from what's the, the lesson here? <laughs> <laughs> if you ever come across a woman yeah. and her father being attacked by a group of men dressed like women, 
Just let it be. Absolutely. Don't get involved. Right. <laughs> That's the lesson. Inconsolable, it's Fronsack that discovers Manny's body because they so callously just take it and chuck it off that cliff. I know, it is Which is rough. a big mistake on their part. They should have just hit it. Yeah, yeah. Well, once they piss off Fronsack, there's no going back. He performs the autopsy for his friend and discovers the silver bullet lodged in Manny's back. Yeah, so to no surprise, we know who is responsible for this. This is Jean-Francois's... Signature choice of ammunition. His calling card. It's sort of like Stellan Skarsgård being cast in Girl with the Dragon. Tattoo. Right, right. It's like, well, obviously we know he's we, some yeah, going to factor into the, the ending. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, like this has to be our guy. Vincent Cassell <laughs> plays a brooding one-armed creep. It's like, okay. <laughs> I wonder if yeah. he's going to be involved in any way. In a fit of rage, a vengeful Fronsac goes to the catacombs and it leads to this whole long extended fight sequence where he slaughters many members, but in the end is a little bit overmatched and, and eventually is arrested by the local authorities and imprisoned. But first, uh-huh. this is all very extended. It's like a Liam Neeson montage where he's going through that underground lair. He ends up in a house, and then he, he's in a secret room. And in that room, it's like filled with oddities and weird right. shit. And it's yeah. got that giant bone sword. <laughs> Yes. Which will come into play later for some reason. And then out of that house, he stumbles into like another enclosed underground area where the beast is kept. You're like, what? what is this, Buffalo Bill's basement? But he does escape. Yeah. Because he is able to burn Manny's body at dusk. That's true. And then he's arrested. Right. <laughs> he's just sort of approached by a group of whatever, guards. I don't know. Well, no, those were like the noblemen. Those oh, were yeah, like yeah. the main dudes. They're like, yo, what up? Right. You've been killing too many people. We're going to, I guess, uh, place you under arrest. I think if you're paying close attention and you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, well, now the jig is up because he clearly found where the beast was and they're not, they don't care. Right, right. (laughs) So clearly all of these people are involved too. (laughs) So now our boy's in prison and who is he visited by but none other than Sylvia. That's right who visits Fronsac in jail. Truly a savior. And reveals that she is actually a spy, essentially working for the Pope. Wow. There's a whole group of people called, like, the Holy See. Yeah. S-E-E. Multiple political factions involved here. She explains that Henry Sardis, who is a character we've seen, he's, like, the local priest, but he's also the leader of the Brotherhood, a.k.a. the Pact, which they call it. He believes he is restoring worship of God to France... But Pope Clement Thirteenth has decided that Sardis is insane and has sent her to eliminate him, which is a wild twist because I, I would not have thought that this was all building towards a story about religious fanaticism, but that's where we're at. Well, I was like, anything's on the table. <laughs> I'm not ruling <laughs> anything point, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, the Pope has sent a woman to pose as a prostitute at a brothel. <laughs> Well, it's a little bit like, what's that Verhoeven movie we did with Schwarzenegger? Total Recall. Yeah, it's like Total Recall with Sharon Stone. Like, this is what the job calls for. (laughs) (laughs) But then, Sylvia poisons Fronsack, saying he knows too much. And I was thinking thinking of that part in Eastbound and Down with Kenny Powers. Oh, yeah. He's like, I thought you were the whore with the heart of gold. (laughs) It turns out you were a whore with a regular old horse heart. (laughs) As he's dying in his jail cell. <laughs> I knew it was too good to be true. Yeah. How would you do this to me? 
Here this whole time I thought you were the whore with the heart of gold. Instead you're just a whore with a regular horse heart. Did you notice Francois Hajij Lazaro? I did. AKA Nagi, Nagi from, from Cemetery, Cemetery Man. I almost I was fell like, off I the <laughs> I did have to Google it just to confirm, and I was like, hell yeah. Although, weirdly enough, if you Google that actor, they only list a limited filmography with like four movies. So then I had to go to IMDb to get the full confirmation. Oh, uh, yeah. I knew just looking at well, it. Well, I, I know. Right away. But <laughs> our boy Nagi from Cemetery Man is, right. the, is the jailer? Yeah. Seemingly, but then he like helps Sylvia later. <laughs> she got one look at her and he was like, Well, I'm working for you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just sort of how it was. Sure. And how it should be again. Yep. Where a hot woman just walks into a community and all of the simps, <laughs> all of Us. the loser yeah. nerds are just following her around like she's the goddamn Pied Piper. <laughs> We're just like, Yep, we work for you now. Yep. <laughs> Which is essentially what would happen if the real life Monica Bellucci came to our podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, God. Fronsac is quickly and quietly buried while Marianne is distraught. So what were you thinking at this point? Did you think that everything was as it seemed? No, I thought for sure, Silvio, there was going to be the turn back, you know. (laughs) That this was all part of a bigger plan. Yeah, I just, you knew that this couldn't be it for our hero. Yeah, especially when you hit pause. Right. And you're like, (laughs) there's so many minutes left. Yeah, we're not even close. (laughs) When the coast is clear, Sylvia and her minions, oh, yeah. a.k.a. the Sims, Us. <laughs> start digging up the fresh grave. I love that it's fucking Nagi. He goes from being the guy yep. like running the jail cell to being like, yes, I'm digging up this grave for you now. <laughs> but we don't see what happens yet. We just see them starting to dig up the fresh grave so we can sort of assume that we know where it's heading. The powers that be, including Sardis want to kill Marianne as they now see her as a potential threat who could run and tell the king about what happened with Fronsac, but Jean-Francois won't let his sister be killed as he desperately wants to fuck her. <laughs> I guess he's not holding that back. Yeah, there is that hilarious scene where he's crying and freaking out and being like, I want to... Well, he doesn't say this, but... <laughs> You're paraphrasing. Yeah, I want to fuck her so bad. It's like he's telling just a random priest about his sister. Yeah. And everyone just sort of has to roll with it. Yeah, I guess that's just how it was. If there's one thing that I could take away from doing this podcast, it's that incest works its way into way more material than you would think. Well, than other people would think. It works its way to about the amount of material that you would think. (laughs) No, I would have never thought that it was involved in this many movies. Yeah. It comes up a lot. It's on people's minds. <laughs> if it's not straight up incest, it's stepbrother, stepsister. Sure. Anybody in close proximity in the same house. I guess it's just out there, you know? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But he's been putting out vibes. Since pretty much the beginning of the I'd movie. I'd say so. I can't say I was stunned no, by no. any of this. <laughs> you were just waiting for this reveal. <laughs> he comes to her room and everything is revealed. He does actually have use of his gnarled arm. And yes, it is he, Jean-Francois, who is the Beast's master. He's yeah. the Beast's master. In the most unshocking moment. Let's get this party started! Who are you? I am the Beastmaster. On the movie Beastmaster. What rock have you been living under? 
Well, once he reveals what his arm looks like, because we saw oh, the yeah. master's arm, right? So we know it's this pink, gnarled, twisted thing with these really long, horrible fingernails. Yeah, yeah. Looks like a animalistic arm. The beast recognized his scent on her when it came near her, which is why it did not attack. Jean-Francois then rapes her when she rejects his advances. Kind of a dark moment. Yeah, you don't actually see it or anything, but just having it happen is really weird and dark. This movie's rated R. Uh huh. It has some violence in it. It has nudity and stuff, but... There's, I would say the vibe overall is very light. Yeah, it almost has like an action adventure yeah. feel to it. Until and you get to this. Having a guy rape his sister is pretty wild. Sure. It's a pretty dark moment where you're just like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> so it turns out that Fronsac was not dead. <laughs> oh, surprise, surprise, motherfucker. The king is back. He was just put in a temporary coma. And now that he's been exhumed. He crashes one of the Brotherhood's sermons. Although we could have set up like a Romeo and Juliet situation where Marianne does well, the Well, it suicide. almost happened. Yeah. Kind of. I would say, yeah, it almost okay. happens. Okay, yeah. But when he shows up here, he's essentially in blackface, which I thought was a wild choice. Insensitive, yeah. I think it's an homage to his <laughs> no, dead I know. friend. But no, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's right. not supposed to yeah, yeah, imitate yeah. skin color. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be like war paint. But I just thought it was so weird looking. Yeah. I'd he actually say. was wearing blackface the first time, too, when he avenges That's true. Manny. It's just his face is just painted black. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Weird. No, we're making a joke of it. it that's not what it's supposed yeah, yeah, to be, yeah. but it's... It's strange. Unsurprisingly, the Brotherhood consists of a decent amount of the local nobility. He starts killing MFs, and then the cavalry arrives. Not really sure who this cavalry is or at whose request. I guess Sylvia? I don't know. Who are these people that show up and just start firing their guns to help him? The cavalry. Just leave it at that. I guess everybody who's not involved right. in the Brotherhood. Whoever that is. Whoever is not involved. It's all Sylvia's simps. (laughs) Yeah. She's just been strutting around Javodan, and they're like, holy shit. (laughs) What do you want us to do? (laughs) The people who haven't been going to that brothel. They're they're like, wait a minute. She was working at that brothel, and I missed it? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Sylvia is lurking around, too, when Fronsac starts going off and killing everybody. And she kills that one woman. Finally. The one that lured Manny in, I guess, at the beginning. She uses a fan with blades on it like she's Katana. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I was like, who has a fan like that I with know. blades? Yeah. We get the showdown between Jean-Francois and Fransac. Reveals his mangled arm and the whole deal. And he's got that magic bone sword that we saw. It's a weird weapon. Yeah, it seems like it's sharp like a sword but it also can come apart into multiple into pieces, pieces with, yeah. held together by chains but then when he doesn't want it to do that it's all one big hard thing i don't know it's a weird <laughs> it doesn't really make sense i don't know sense. how it works <laughs> that's why i put magic bone sword it does sure. seem to be some yes. magic involved i don't really understand jean francois's death does he kill himself on purpose okay so this is going to be a reference that i think maybe only you will get but the thing that immediately came to mind, Baron Corbin's finishing move, where he, he like gives himself the rock bottom, and you're like, how is that supposed to be against someone? 
<laughs> the end that's, of days. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I'm like, well, no, he just pulls the sword into himself. It seems like he's killing himself because he thinks Marianne is dead. Yeah, because he's like, Marianne, look at me or something like that. And Fransac's like, Marianne's not here. Right. And he's like, well, you don't even know. I killed her by raping her to death, which is so <laughs> fucked up. Wow. That's basically what he's yeah. saying, right? But it, the move that he does, while it is self-sacrificial, it, it seems to me like it's supposed to be doing something to Fransac. I don't know. Yeah, That's why it's confusing. It's I don't a very really know what, what he's doing sequence. there. Yeah. But yes, Jean-Francois is killed. Sardis escapes into the mountains, but ironically is mauled to death by a pack of wolves. So, And you're like, okay, finally this movie's over. Marianne Not so fast. is dying. Fronsac rushes to her bedside and utilizes the healing bracelet gimmick from Manny. Because one of the Brotherhood people stole those bracelets. We saw that earlier. And then once Fronsac just starts killing everybody, he gets those bracelets back. The results of the bracelets are kept from us initially because it cuts away before she wakes up. And it's sort of a weird sequence, the way the camera even moves like away from them into the window. And then, and then all of a sudden, the marquee is old again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay. like, how many years went by? Right, like right. five? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the French Revolution like right after this? He looks like he aged like 50 years. That's just how aging was back then. It cuts back to the older... Marquis for a minute, but then we get the end of the story, which is that later Fransac and Marquis go to the beast's lair, where it is severely wounded. It turns out that the beast was a lion that Jean-Francois brought back from Africa as a cub and tortured into becoming vicious. It was also trained to wear spiked metal armor. The spiked metal armor is what makes it look so weird it also makes the lion seem to be huge. Right. It's really hard to tell. The only time that it seems like a lion is whenever it's close up on the eyes and you can see that there's like a lion kind More of, of a underneath it. Cat looking. In, yeah, underneath the, yeah. the helmet part of the armor. Because the armor is all like one big piece, it seems like. Seems like it would be uncomfortably heavy. Yeah. I get the idea that it's a female lion. Sure. Because you're not okay. really getting the sense of a mane right. under there, but yeah. I don't know. It's a, you can't really tell. You never see it without the armor. I don't think that we'll definitively know. <laughs> Fransac takes pity and kills the beast in an act of mercy, and we find out from our narrator, the Marquis, that the whole thing remained a secret and no one knew the truth until he's about to be killed by the revolutionaries and he's <laughs> writing out these memoirs that I'm sure they'll, they'll take great care of. Yeah, no dead. one knew this true history until this movie came out. <laughs> Fransac and Marianne are then shown on a boat living happily ever after. The name of the boat is Brother Wolf. Okay. As he's dumping yeah. Manny's ashes out, I guess, is what yes, he's doing. Yes, that's what I was taking it as. He didn't have it in the Folgers can, like Big Lebowski. <laughs> he's taking... Mary into Africa where she'll be killed by a lion <laughs> immediately. Right. <laughs> so that's your picture. It is two and a half hours. It probably would be a little bit tighter at two hours. I enjoyed it. I liked it more the second time. It helped me get some clarity. I think the first time you watch it, it's a little hard to follow because of the language difference because you're reading the whole thing and maybe sometimes missing who's who and stuff like that. But yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I, just off the title, you start visualizing something. 
I can't even remember what that was at this point, and this was definitely not it. But um, I thought it was something like 1700s France werewolf. Yeah, with like soldiers. I maybe, definitely maybe like werewolf. during the French Revolution, right. werewolves or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what the actual story is going to be. But there was like so much to this. There's a lot of like tonal shifts. Even you listed it off in the beginning. I mean, there's just so much packed into this movie. Yeah, it's definitely a big mishmash. And I think that even a lot of the positive reviews of the time were like, well, I don't know what to make of this, but it was entertaining. It is a fun ride. Yeah. <laughs> so we thank Aaron for the listener request. If you have one, you can hit us up on Twitter at Greatest Pod. We'll try to get to it soon. We have another one coming up sometime soon, not next episode, but shortly. For those of you who have stuck with us to the end, a little bit of a note on our upcoming schedule. Matt and I are both traveling to different states, not together. Thankfully. Because if we were, we could maybe bring the whole recording oh, yeah. apparatus, but Do we're not going to be road. together. Right. So next week, there probably will not be a new episode, but we're trying to record a listener request that will come out at some point later. So yeah, we're going to do a... Give us a second, which will come out at some point to hold everyone over for when we get back. We'll get for back those of you schedule. just clamoring for episodes. Yeah, well, that's the plan. Sure. So there won't be a new release on the regular date next week, but there will be a listener request at some point before we return with a normal episode. We'll try to get back on track as soon as possible, and there will be another listener request coming soon at some point. What are you doing? What? <clears throat> what? Vincent, stop making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. So let's get into recommendation. Do you have one? Yeah, I can do one. You want me to go first? Sure. I'll keep it brief. I watched this a couple weeks ago, streaming on Hulu currently. I had given it a shot before, but I never watched it all the way through. Harry Dean Stanton's final movie, Lucky, featuring David Lynch as an actor. But this was way up my alley. It's really kind of a swan song for Harry Dean Stanton, one of the great character actors of all time, who just seems like he is always just playing himself in everything. Like, hundreds of times he's done that. Yeah. Super cool actor and, like, a really cool send-off movie for him. Okay, that's on Hulu. I'm just going to recommend two movies that are not new or anything, and I'm sure... A lot of people have already watched. I, Matt even may have recommended one of these before a long time ago. I'm not okay. entirely sure. But I haven't been watching a ton of stuff outside of the stuff for the podcast and the stuff we've already recommended, the TV stuff with Yellow Jackets and Pam and Tommy. So I didn't really have anything new. So I'll just recommend two of my favorite first-time watches so far of 2022. All right. They're both available on Netflix Nocturnal Animals, directed by Tom Ford, which is a film that I had wanted to watch for years, Same. ever since it came out. I still haven't watched this, but it's like one that every time... You know how like when you scroll over something on Netflix and it starts playing like yeah. its little trailer thing? That one, is, I always think is so fucking cool, and I always want to watch it, but I still haven't. I wanted to watch it when it came out in theaters. It just never happened, for whatever reason. And yeah, yeah. Even when it first came out on Blu-ray, I wanted to watch it. Didn't Sometimes happen. that happens. I think at this point it's been like six years. I think it was like 2016 or something. Finally watched it. 
it's a really weird, cool movie about revenge, but in a weird way. A lot of it is Amy Adams reading a book. There's no way around that. I'm okay with that. But once you realize what it all is sort of building towards, it's pretty cool. I'm actually reading the novel it's based on right now. It's been taking me forever to get through it because I've been reading at a slow pace. But I really liked it. I thought it was cool. Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal. I think Army Hammer is in it too. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really cool, interesting movie. It's probably not for everybody, but I liked it. And the other one is I'm thinking of Ending Things, the Charlie Kaufman film, which I think you may have I recommended. I did do that, yeah. Although I think you may have liked it more than I did. Although I'm I'm interested in revisiting it. Both of these movies are movies that have stuck with me and I've thought about a lot since watching them and trying to make sense of them. The Charlie yes. Kaufman movie obviously is harder to Absolutely. figure out. It seems like his movies are less and less commercial as he moves forward. That's sort of his whole thing, I guess, is complicated layered storytelling that isn't straightforward whatsoever it's usually like uh, on the darker side yeah again this movie probably isn't for everybody either this was a netflix original so that will always be there i don't know how long nocturnal animals will be on netflix but i would recommend checking them both out the charlie kaufman film i'm thinking of ending things will probably be more jarring to you if you're not familiar with his work but if you are he wrote a lot of films you're probably familiar with, Eternal Sunshine, oh, yeah. Adaptation, Being John Malkovich. That Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, then he... I know that was like a smaller one, but... He directed that one. Yeah. That was one he directed. He did that Anna Lisa, which I haven't seen, which oh, was right. like those puppets or whatever. Yes. So yeah, I don't want to like explain too much of I'm thinking of ending That's things, because that sort of yeah. defeats the purpose, because then I'm going to launch into like theories about what it all means <laughs> and... It's really that kind of a movie. A though. long and winding road. You have to interpret that movie. You can't just experience it right. and just yeah, not yeah. think anything of it. If you just take it at surface value, it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are both on Netflix. Those will serve as my recommendations. Thank you to Aaron for the listener request. Follow us on Twitter, at GreatestPod. You can let us know on there if you'd like a sticker or have a listener request. We'll try to get to it eventually. Make sure you're subscribed to the program on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. And follow us on Letterboxd. Zach1983, Matt Crosby on there. And I think that'll do it, right? Yeah, and then just another big thank you to Aaron. We appreciate the interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually like this type of listener request, which forces us to expand our horizons a little bit definitely it's definitely something that's happened a few times in the history of our show where our it's, listeners have requested something we have never seen before and it's a fun however it happens but it's certainly fun to get it from listeners but when we have sort of a roadmap and a plan and something just comes out like way out of left field it's just like a fun distraction from our lives and there are some other ones that people have requested for 2022 that we also are not super familiar with so It'll be an interesting year. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon with uh, Give Us a Second. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart. I, I would stay.
Believe it or not, Eraserhead is my most spiritual film. Mm -hmm. uh, why, why, we'll elaborate on that. No, 